Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. No one wants to give a check to a dude that's not humble, that's, you know, on himself. You know what I'm saying? Instead of being cool and humble and, and open and willing to work with people and work with others. And, you know, imagine me hiring the illest keyboard player in the world, but no one wants to sit next to him on a tour bus. A tour bus. Yeah, yeah, check it out. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Uh, yeah. Everybody tuning in, you invited, you invited. No matter what mood you in, get excited, get excited. Everybody love the music, let me tell you how they do it. Whether writer or an agent, let me tell you how they made it. You are now talking to a silent giant. Wanna walk in their shoes, silent giants. Wanna study they move, silent giants. Wanna know what they do, silent giants. Silent giants, y'all. <laughs> Welcome to the Silent Giants podcast. A podcast highlighting the superstars behind your favorite superstars in creative industries. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. To keep up with the latest on the show, be sure to follow us on Instagram at, at Silent Giants Podcast. To keep up with my life, music, and more, be sure to follow me as well at, at Corey Cambridge. Today's Silent Giant is Amadeus, the musical director and lead drummer for Trey Songs. Along with being a musical director, Amadeus is produced for artists like Jennifer Lopez, Chris Brown, Wale, and many more. In this episode, Amadeus chats with us about how he broke into the industry, how he became Trey Song's musical director, and shares his wisdom and industry experience for artists looking to break into the industry. So, without further ado, let me introduce you to the musical director, producer, my friend, the silent giant, Amadeus. So you'll be in the right, I'll be in my left. There we go. Cool. There we go. Panned out. Cool. That's dope. Man, you all right? You good? You ready? Mm-hmm. Sipping that agua? <laughs> Amadeus, how you doing, man? I'm blessed, man. Happy to be here, my brother. How about you? Dude, I, I can't complain. Life is good. <laughs> you know, every day is a new hustle. I finally made it, man. Thank you for your patience, man. I appreciate it. All over the place, man. But you was definitely patient, and I'm glad to be here finally. So you are the James Brown Uh-oh. of the music game. You're the hardest working man. Oh, man. I appreciate that. Like, like <laughs> you work hard, and then your Instagram reflects it. You be like, yo, yes, sir. yo, yo we, have, we have to reschedule. Yes, you know, you be out in Vegas. Yeah. Yo, yo. <laughs> and I don't like rescheduling. I don't, I, you know, I hate that. You know what I mean? But sometimes, you know, you only, you're one person. And you can't be a million places at one time. No, exactly. You know what I'm saying? I, sometimes I think I could, but then I realize I'm not really the Batman I think I am. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, you're going to only be one place, man. So thank you again for your patience, man. Dude, I'm glad no, to be no, here. No, it's an absolute pleasure, man. It's such a pleasure. So how, how's everything going in life? Everything good, man. Uh, can't complain. You know, uh, you know, it's a saying, if you complain, ain't nobody listening. Hey. You know, so I'm just moving and shaking and uh, just doing what I love to do, man. Okay. Okay. I like you know? that. You got a good voice too. I like when people come on the air with, with a good okay, voice. You got, okay. a, you got command. Ah, you used, like to, used to rap? Yeah, we ain't gonna talk about it though. Wait, wait, <laughs> I mean, look, everyone used to rap. That's like that's like the the passage. Yeah, that's into how you the start, music right? Industry. That's how you start. Everybody think they got bars, man, and then you be like, you hear somebody with real bars, and you're like, let me not do that. 
Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? yeah, yeah. You don't want to embarrass yourself. You don't want to, you know, embarrass your name and your brand and where you're from. You know, because there's cats that's out here that really do this. You know what I'm saying? But, but it takes a, a a person to know themselves to know when to stop. A lot of people don't know when to stop. Yeah, you gotta know when to stop. You know, and it's not about quitting because I don't believe in quitting. I just I just made a transition, a shift. Yes, a shift into a pivot. The behind the scenes, the musical, you know, side of things, and uh, I think that's that's one of the best decisions I've ever made in life. Because you you a New York cat? Yeah, Bronx boogie down. The boogie down Bronx. Boogie down Bronx. Where where about in the Bronx? 169th Washington Avenue. So I'm not that familiar with the Bronx because I'm, okay. I'm a Brooklyn. I'm a Virginia cat. Okay. Who lives in Brooklyn? Okay. So when I, I catch a Yankee game every now and then, yeah. and that's like the extent. Yes, sir. Uh, of my Bronx experience. I got family from uh, VA too. They from uh, Newport News. Okay, seven five seven. You know what I'm saying? Seven so cities. Somebody, some you know, every everybody got a family member down there from somewhere. You know what I'm saying? In Virginia, somebody, Dude. somebody, somebody, cousin, yeah. Cousin, the uncle, uncle from the other side, somebody from Virginia, man. So. Virginia is, is a crazy web of military. Yeah. Like Richmond has its own vibes. You have mm-hmm. like the Southern culture. You got mm-hmm. the Mountain culture. You got DC culture. Mm-hmm. So it's just a, a lot of music podge. out there. A lot of, a lot of great artists and musicians have come from, you know, Virginia. You got Trey Songz. You got Chris Brown. You got Timberland. You got uh, Pharrell. You got the Clips. You got Missy. You know what I'm saying? It's like D'Angelo. Hub. Yeah, D'Angelo from uh, Virginia. Richmond, dog. Wow. On the South that. Side. I didn't know that. Well, Peace. Richmond has a very different vibe, and you can even tell by the sound of D'Angelo because right. he kind of represents to me the the. The pinnacle of what Richmond is. Okay. okay. Where, like, Richmond's a very jazz oriented city. Got you. You know, so it's a lot of heavy jazz cats. Like, D'Angelo's dope, man. Crazy fire. Crazy fire. But New York ain't bad. New York ain't bad. We holding it down. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. We holding it down. What was your upbringing like in the Bronx? Um, Very different, very unique. Uh, You know, I grew up in the projects, um, and my parents sent me to private school, Catholic school. So all my life I had to dress up. Uh, So, you know, growing up in the hood and from the projects, that definitely wasn't. Something you like to do, dress up. Everybody else had it on jeans and the J's and the Averexes and the Pele Pele's, and I had the the tight gray slacks with the white shirt and the, and the burgundy the burgundy tie, and just was like, what are we doing? What am I doing? What are you? What's going on here? I got laughed at, man. My pants was too tight. I had the shiny black shoes. I didn't get it back then, you know what I'm saying? But as an adult now, you know, I have so much appreciation for my parents sacrificing and, 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 and doing their best to give me the best education they can possibly give me. And it was in those, in those schools where I learned um, my musical instrument, which is yeah. drums, man. So as I look back, I'm, like, appreciative, you know what I'm saying, of, of, of how they covered me and, and, and guided me and make sure that, uh, you know, I was safe and I was surrounded by the right people, you know what I'm saying? Cause what, what was that like for... Um, you know, me being a New Yorker, mm-hmm. I mean, being a Virginian right. who moved to New York, right. uh, a lot of times the, my gateway to hip-hop was all through New York hip-hop mm-hmm. because that's where everything kind of passed through. Right. Um, and a lot of the, the culture of New York was almost romanticized in a way. Gotcha. Like gotcha. The, the harsh conditions yeah. Yeah. were romanticized right. through the music. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but once I moved here and so I went to so. my first project and I was like, oh, my God, this is... Oh, yeah, it's real. This is very real. What was it like as far as, like, you know... Growing up in that environment, but also going to a Catholic school, like where were the lot of kids in your in your school from the same area you were from, right. or was it a culture clash? Explain that to me. It was definitely challenging. Um, you know, when you when you dressed the way I had to dress for school, you know, you was you was viewed a certain kind of way. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, people will put you in a category of being soft, put you in a category of being church boy, or, you know what I'm saying, a real school boy, you know what I mean? So I remember getting called a lot of different names just because of the, my attire, you know what I'm saying? And, 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 and it wasn't fun, you know what I mean? I didn't like that. I wanted to, 
to not so much fit in, but just be cool. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to be with the cool cats. I wanted to be with the cool kids. You know what I'm saying? Um, but what I learned to do was become the leader that I am and, 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 and create a vibe to what I had to wear. You know, I had to wear stocks, I had to wear shoes, I had to wear a dress shirt and a tie. Like, make it fly. You know what I'm saying? Make it in my own way. Like, I, you know, I was rocking a Tommy Hilfiger and, and, the, hey. and the Nordica and, and the Polo. And you know what I'm saying? So at a certain point, it became cool. You know what I mean? And I had to figure out a way to make it become cool. And back then, you know, I was influenced by Puff Daddy and Mace and all of these cats that, you know, was very flashy and fly with the shades and the sunglasses and the shiny suits and this and this and that. So I looked at that and I, and I, and I took that and allowed that to become a part of how I dressed and how I went to school. So instead of being pissed that I had to wear that, I was excited and looking forward to wear that because now I stood out and I recognized that I stood out from the crowd. You know what I mean? Everybody had on Jordans. Everybody had on the, the Pepe jeans. Everybody had on the Jabot. I had on slacks. I had on a shirt. I was able to flip my tie differently every day. A new color, a new brand, a new style. You know what I mean? So I, I made it work for me. The, the first thing I think of is, is Will, Will Smith and the Fresh Prince. Man. When he, when he yes. did the blazer and flipped it. That's exactly <laughs> what was the vibe. We, de- we all did yeah. that. As he's talking to me, I'm like, I just that. imagine you in like the Fresh Prince flip. We flip definitely jacket. did that. And so, like, how did you get introduced to the drums? One thing I'm really fascinated by as well is that New York is a very interesting place to grow up in the sense of just real estate and right, space. Right, right, So, like, how did you get introduced to the drums, where, which is typically, a, I call it, like, a suburban instrument because right. you need space to play it. Yes. So, tell me the story of how you got into playing the drums. It's funny because I was absent on a day that we were to, to choose the instrument we wanted to learn. Uh, so, when I returned on the following day, I wanted to learn how to play the trumpet or the saxophone. So when I returned on the next day, all of the slots were filled, and the only thing left was the violin and percussion. Definitely, definitely wasn't going with violin. I'm from the hood, I'm from the Bronx. You already got to dress up. I'm definitely not being dressed up and walking through the hood with a violin case. Definitely wasn't happening. Nah, nah, nah. I didn't nah. even, you feel me? Nah. I didn't even know what percussion meant. I just knew I wasn't going with the violin. So I was just like, well, if percussion is a spot in there, I'll take that. I'll figure it out when I get there. Walk in the classroom the next day, it's drums, it's congos, it's xylophones, it's everything that represented rhythm. And I didn't really know nothing, you know, nothing, know nothing about it uh, in, regards to, in regards to the instrumentation, but I loved music, you know. So it was funny, my teacher sat down, played a beat pattern, and wanted everybody in the classroom to, to play the same beat pattern. I was the only one that kept being able to play the beat patterns that he played. Wow. You know what I'm saying? And he looked at me and was like, man... I, you know, I think you got something special here, like your coordination and just how you're able to, to play the same feel and the same vibe as I'm playing, and you never touched drums before. You know what I'm saying? And, and I was like, all right, cool. I didn't really think nothing of it. You know what I mean? I was just, it was just a class that I had to pass at this point. Um, and I went to church one Sunday, a different church with my mom, and uh, I heard the drums being played, and I never heard it sound like that. And I said to myself that day, like, yo, if I practiced and, like, rehearsed, and really put my mind to this, I can sound like that. And it was that day where I was like, yo, I'm going to go hard with this. I'm going I'm to really put my all into the musicianship side of it, not knowing that it would, you know, it would turn into production and producing. I just wanted to play and wanted to play. And it just transitioned from drums into production. You know what I'm saying? And I'm kind of like doing best of both worlds still today. Yeah, how did you practice, like, did you have a drum kit at, at the apartment? No, no. I was. I mean, we we got to go. We got that class every day. You know what I'm saying? So it was every day of me being able to, you know, do the class, of course. But then we was able to go after school too. 
Okay. So some days, you know, if, if I didn't have homework or if it wasn't that much, I would kind of sneak in and, and get a little half hour in and, you know, do my own thing. But the real practice came when I went to church. You know what I'm saying? Because you figure, to me, between the rehearsals and just playing the services, like, that's practice. Right. Because, you know, in church, you're free to do whatever. You're free to do whatever you please. You know what I'm saying? So each day I touched the drums was practice and was rehearsal to me. You know what I'm saying? So it was, it was kind of a chance to, to get better and better every time I sat down. And so church was like the first time of you playing in a band experience? Um, not really, because it was a different, because I was in the band in school, but it was different. You know okay. what I'm saying? You got, you know, alive instruments from horns to woodwinds and different things. In church, you just got, you know, keys and, you know, bass, maybe guitar and organ. So, you know, with the dum dum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know what I'm saying? So definitely different genres, different styles of music, of me learning what I was learning in school uh, versus what I was learning in church. So just two completely separate uh, worlds, and I figured out how to merge the two. So how did you go from, you know, you're, you're playing the drums, mm -hmm. how did you get into, you know, kind of the idea of, you know, I can maybe do this professionally. Was there, like, a, a role model that you had early on of uh, some of you were like, I, I want to model myself like right. this? We spoke about earlier about rap. Yeah. That, was it like, yo, I'm going to be a rapper? Yes. You know, it, it started with the drums because, like I said, I always was surrounded by music. You know, we had something growing up in my house called Clean Up, clean up Day. So on Saturdays, every weekend, you know, it was cleanup day in the house. You know what I'm saying? Nobody went outside. Nobody went to the museum park. Nobody went, you know, you did nothing until your room was clean. Um... And with that happening, my mom would have a week where she would play whatever music she wanted to play. And she was into, like, gospel and hip-hop and the old school boom bap. My pops was into, like, that R&B soul, you know, disco. So I heard, like, Earth, Wind & Fire. I heard, like, the Bee Gees. You know what I'm saying? So I was always surrounded by different genres. So I had a different appreciation for music. I, I loved it all. I just love hip-hop. I love R&B. I love pop. I love gospel. I love everything. Um, and that was... You know, when I kind of like fell in love with it after I learned how to start playing drums and I'm being surrounded by music with my parents. And then I'm like really gravitating towards hip hop and really gaining an understanding and appreciation for that. And then I started rapping, you know what I mean? And and it was funny because I would try to rap without cursing. You know, my parents is church folk, you know, really like on me about profanity and not wanting to. You know, want me to go down that route. I was in Catholic school, so you learn in religion. They're teaching you how to be, you know, gentlemen, gentlemen and men, and how to properly conduct yourself. So I was always, you know, surrounded by the right things and the right atmosphere. So it was kind of really hard to be this rapper from the Bronx, you know, or or, or trying to act like I'm this street. You know what I'm saying, yeah. dude? Where I'm living there, and I'm and I'm taking it in, and I'm witnessing, and I'm seeing all of these different things, but I'm not really playing that role. I'm not selling drugs. I'm not on the corner. You know, I got time to go to from my building to the corner store. Like, my mom sat at the window like this every day. And if it was over five minutes, she called my name out the window. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I was always protected and, and really surrounded by love. You know what I mean? What was, your, what was your first, uh, you know, kind of artist you were influenced by in your wow. own personal taste? Um, Man, that's good. Wu-Tang. Um, I'm trying to go back. Man, dig, dig, uh, Diggable Planets. Uh, nice and smooth. Yeah. Um, man, who else? So many. Because um, this is also, too, this is New York and the, like it's heyday. Right. Like, I would say even like a heyday is just where New York's on an island by itself. Mm -hmm. You know? So this is like the golden oh, era. Man. Like, like, man, that's Grand Pooba, you know, um, KRS One. You know what I'm saying? I remember they shot the, uh, the Take It Easy video with Mad Lion, like right across the street. 
behind the behind the uh, the public school. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I remember seeing the big lion, you know, spray painted on the wall, and I'm like, man, they shot the video right here, like it was right here, man. It's like my block, you know. So just man, just memory lane. You know what I mean? And and it wasn't just hip hop too. Like I loved like Brandy and Monica. You know, Monica. You know, she young. You know what I'm saying? We 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 all the same age. So, but yeah, Monica was a teenager. <laughs> One of my favorite songs is "Don't Take It Personal." Listen. It's a, it's a monster record. Monster record. And that melody. I love the 90s with like having like pop melodies right. over like hip hop yeah, beats. Yeah. Like that was like my, probably my favorite era. Uh, How can I forget like L? You had LL, you had Public Enemy, you had Tribe Called Quest. Like, man. Did you know that you wanted to be a part of the culture at this point in your no, life? No, I didn't. I just, uh, I just loved it. I just loved the sound of it. I loved the rap. I loved. You know, like them sampling the jazz loops. And, and I didn't even know that it was sampling back then. I didn't know what they were doing. I just loved the way it sounded. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And and just loved to listen to it. You know what I mean? And then I started writing. And then, you know, once the, the live musicianship took off and I really kind of got an understanding of music and how it was, how it, was uh, it was created, then the producer inside of me was like, man, I think I can do this. I think I can make beats. I think I can put that chord with that drum pattern and all. You know what I'm saying? And really start putting things together musically. What was the first opportunity, you know, that you kind of realized that you were going to pay, kind of pursue this professionally? Um, I was definitely, definitely in high school. Um, I just, you know, I, I loved attention. I loved making everybody bop their head. I was always, you know, at the lunch table, at the, in the lunchroom, banging on the desks, getting in trouble in class, banging on the desk. But for some reason, I had a vibe. I had like a, a sound to what I was doing, how I was doing it, and everybody loved just rap and spit and be around when I was either banging on a table or playing the actual drum set, you know what I mean? So I'm looking at the audience that I'm gaining in school and then how that's coming together, and I'm saying, man, if I can do this, if they can appreciate what I'm doing on a desk, on the drums, and magically, imagine if I really put my mind, heart, and soul into really learning the fundamentals of becoming a record producer and becoming a, a true musician, a touring musician, you know what I'm saying? Not just playing in church, which is great, but being able to travel the world, play the garden, play the, you know what I'm saying, the Staples Center, play these big arenas with thousands and thousands of people roaring and screaming. Like, those are dreams, you know what I'm saying, that I had when I was coming up. Wow. And yeah. and so what was your, like, your first professional, like, what steps did you take to become a professional? Um, you know, I was, always, I was always surrounded by musical folk. Um, a dope producer by the name of Buck Wow, who's actually one of my fellow Bad Boy Hitman producers, um, was a family friend. He lived right down the street. And um, he overheard, like, my mom talking about me, like, wanting to make beats and drums. And he kind of, because she didn't know what to call it. <laughs> so he was like, well, let him, let him come hang out. Like, let him like let him come see what it is. And I remember him picking me up um, and bringing me to the studio. And he was in the studio, I think, with Busta and, like, Missy and LL. And he's just kind of, like, running around to different studios playing beats for people. And I'm looking at him like, yo, this is like he made these and he's playing it for these major artists and they're like vibing with it and like people are starting to write on the spot and go in the booth and record and I'm looking at this process like man this is fire like this is dope and it, and and for me it was that night where I was like this is it like this is what I want to do like I want to go hard I want to put my all into it you know what I'm saying this is what I want to be like I just left the whole rap that I only rap for like 5 minutes I ain't going to lie you know what I'm saying but cuz I was more Intrigued by the music, yeah, the the, the background, the, the drums, that that bass note, that line, that chord. You know what I'm saying? The, the singers, the background singers. Like I was more, you know what I'm saying, excited about that and wanted to figure out how to put that together. 
And so, like, what was the once you have that magical moment of like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. this is this is where it's at. That's right. what I want to do. What were the steps you took after that? To, to like, what was your first kind of big break in the industry where you were like, man, I'm I'm in the industry now. Right. Um. You know, I think once I started taking label meetings, um, and actually playing my beats in studios and like going to label meetings and sitting down with A and R's and knowing that these are the dudes that have the power to put me on albums and to really help my my dream come true. So once I started doing that, I'm like, man, I'm 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 really here, you know. And and at that point, it was about me. Uh, working towards perfecting my craft and just becoming better and better as a producer. You know, at first they complained that my drums, you know, wasn't big enough, wasn't wasn't hard enough, wasn't knocking as as much as it should. You know, they asked me, what, what equipment are you using? Are you using that? Are you using this? No, I don't use that. Use this. So, mm-hmm. you know, you had to, I had to invest. You know, I had to get the right, the, the right equipment that was going to give me the right sound that I heard in my head. You know what I'm saying? And once I started doing that, and people started appreciating what I was doing. And I'm like, man, I'm making this in my living room. I'm making this in my room, in my house. I ain't in no studio. I'm, I don't have no no crazy soundboard. I don't have the microphone over here. Just the keyboard, a drum machine, and a tape deck. You know what I'm saying? Which I was re- recording the beats onto the cassettes, which then trend, you know, which then changed to DATs, which just went from DATs to to CDs. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. now we're on laptops. I go now. I, I went through the process of cassette tapes. And you in a label meeting or, or you're playing beats for an artist, then if an artist said, let me hear the next one, I got to press fast forward. We got to wait four minutes. Right. To let, you Damn. know what I'm saying? Particular track is done for me to get to the next one. Like, I went through the, I went through the process. I went through hard knocks, man. Because also, too, how did you... Uh, I want to get to the, the nitty-gritty of how did you get those label meetings set up? Like, right. How does one... How did you get the opportunity to go to have label meetings? Right. See, so when I, when I went to the studio with Buck Wild... I was I was real smart. I knew the fact that I'm in this situation. I'm around these people, and I just kept saying, "I got to connect with these people, man." Like, and I think I had a, the, the the time point two way pager at the time. Yeah, and I just kept saying, I just went around and said, "Yo, man, let's let's exchange info." And I would no matter where I was, where I went, I would always do that. You know, some people would do it, some people wouldn't, um, but I would always ask for people's info, introduce myself. You know. Email, you know, text them the next day, email them the next day. Hey, man, this is I'm a dance man. That's in your studio. I would love to send you some beats. You know, some accepted, some didn't. So I would just take advantage of those who would, would who would be willing to listen and just send it and send it and send it. You know, a lot of people didn't take anything, and you know, you just can you can do this, you can work on that. And I and I and I took heed to what people uh, said I needed to do. You know, I didn't allow my my pride and ego to make me feel like no, nah, I'm ready. I'm where I need to be. My beats is dope. My beats is do- you know, it's hot. Like I listened, I changed my drums. I went and got, you know, the MPC 2000, and I made sure my levels was good, and and it wasn't peaking, and the, you know what I'm saying. The tracks wasn't too hot on the cassette tape. You know, I, I went through those, you know, that process until somebody said, "Man, I need this," and that was Foxy Brown. Wow. You know what I'm saying? I met with her brother Anton Marchand, who was the A&R Interscope Records at the time. My cousin um, Joey was an intern for him. And he's like, yo, I got my cousin, he make beats. And, you know, everybody got a fandom. He make beats, and he's like, well, bring him in. Brought me in, I played beats, and he's like, yo, these is dope. I want you to go see my sister. And I'm like, all right, cool. I ain't, you know, I don't know. I'm like, yo, well, he's your sister. He's like, Foxy Brown. I was like, that's your sister, bro. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> my sister, yo. You know, and he's like pulling out pictures, and I'm like, all right. He's like, yo, go to Chung King. And I was the name of the studio. Go to Chung King at 8 o'clock. She'll be there. I want you to play these same beats you played me for her. Where, where, where was Chun King? Uh, I want to say it was right down the street from uh, SOBs 
So like definitely on Varick. Yeah. Like right down, like south of of uh of uh SOBs on the same side. Okay. Went to Chung King, dope spot. I loved Chung King Studios. She was there and I was just like, oh, it's Foxy Brown, yeah. Wow. And she's like, yo, what's up? You know, my brother told me you had some heat. Like she was straight, straight, straight to it. Let me hear it. She's like, all right. Put it on. She's going through joints. And she's like, I like that. You know what I'm saying? And going through joints. And she's like, I like that one too. So she picked about, I forgot how many beats I played, maybe about 10 to 15. Wow. She picked about five, six joints. You know what I'm saying? And she's like, yo, I like these. You know, can you lead that with me? And I'm like, all right, cool. You know, left her with her. Went home, got a phone call the next day. And it was her brother. Like, yo, Foxy recorded to two records. It's fire. We're going to use one for the Cradle to the Grave soundtrack. DMX is doing the movie. No you know, way. Putting out a soundtrack on Def Jam and Bloodline. We want to use this, you know, record. And it's going to actually be the title record to the movie and the soundtrack. is going to be, the name of it is going to be Cradle to the Grave. It's Foxy Brown. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and, and at this point, you're, you're, this is your first placement. Yes. Cradle till now, still Fox, just a little more mature. Seen it with my bare eyes, did it all before. Been through hell on earth, playing out my role I was given since birth. Recepting it well. Go hard at the critics, they expect me to fail. Work hard for my fans, they expect me to sell. They suspect I'm living well, but they don't know the pain I feel. Five minutes away from Wow. Like, so that was one song. The other song was a diss record. She was at that time, she was beefing with Eve. So she made a diss record to Eve on my track. And I remember I was scared because I kept saying, man, I, I, I loved Eve. Right. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, nah, I can't work with Eve. Yeah. Right? Like, cause she going in, you know what I'm saying? And everybody going to know it's me and it's a rap. And I remember, you know, the OG's like, nah, bro, they ain't, they ain't got nothing to do with you. Like, you made the beat. But yeah. She's she, spitting on there. She going in. She throwing the flames. You know what I'm saying? So you cool. I'm like, word. All right, cool. And I remember, never forget, I was in the car, and, and Flex is like, yo, we got, got this new Foxy Brown, and she talking crazy. You know, Flex, she talking crazy. Oh, yeah. And it's a, it's a crazy record, and I'm, I'm playing it tonight at 8 o'clock. I'm like, all right, cool. And I, I'm not even thinking this is the joint. I'm in the car. I think I pulled up in front of my mom's crib. Yo, he dropped that bomb. And that joint came on. My dick, bitch, stop front. I'm home. Y'all know I'm not coming off this throne. And call me the female pop, whether y'all like it or not. Y'all see this crown here belong to Fox. I can't stop. I won't lose. I'm Brooklyn zone. I'm not Hollywood. Don't get us confused. And don't get it twisted. I'm the best that did it. I had y'all bitches throwing on they throwbacks and fitted. Whoa, Fox the Wallace. Number one. And I sampled, uh, forgot her name, but it, I made it say, get off me. Dun, dun, the sort of the, the, the melody is like get off me. Hey. But I chopped up all three words and put get off me. You know what I'm saying? So she just used that as the you know what I'm saying the the, the fuel to the fire to just be like some 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 get off me. You know what I'm saying? Like Eve, get off me. Yeah. Oh, she went crazy. And how you and how the how the how the fuck you catch a break with Alicia Keys? And she went nuts. Like she went nuts, and I'm like, Flex is dropping bombs. He's bringing it back. I'm in the car yelling to the top of my lungs, like, "Yo, that's my joint." That's, that's crazy. How I started. That's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Um, the movie they 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 featured the song in the movie. The movie I, I remember exact. The movie the song played for the movie in the movie for 26 seconds. Crazy check for <laughs> uh, the the soundtracks went sold 500 thousand copies and went gold. Plaque on the wall. First first ever placement. And so. 
from the time that you were in that studio um, with Buck Wild and, and Missy to the time that placement happened, how much time was in between that period? It wasn't long, bro. Like, hmm. Wasn't long, cause like at that time when I was starting meeting everybody, I you know I was sending beats, sending beats, sending beats. So it wasn't, it wasn't long. I can't, I don't remember the exact time, but like in that session I met Don Poo, um, you know who was like managing Foxy Brown and, and working with Big. I met Manny Haley, who at at the time was working with a, um, an unsigned artist, but now you know throughout the years went on to manage Keisha Cole. But I met Manny when I first started. You know wow. what I'm saying? When I first started, not knowing years, years, years later, you know, that I would be working with, you know, his artist, Keisha Cole. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of the relationships that I've uh, that I've created back then, like, still exist to this day. And how did that placement, um, like, change your career? Like, what was the big difference from before that placement to after that placement? Um, I think it was more of a moment of, like, wow. It was a wild moment. It was a moment of, like, okay, so this is how I'm starting. You know what I'm saying? So it it was like a certain level of expectation that I had for myself. Like, you're starting here. So it's like, you can't just stay here. You can't just stay on this level. You can't go under. You got you to gotta, you gotta top that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So for me, it's, it's uphill from here. And how do, you, how do you go uphill? So it's just about really focusing. It's about really challenging yourself creatively to, 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 to make each beat that you make better than the last one you made. So that was always the challenge for me is, is how, do, how do I become better? And I felt like I had to outwork everybody. And I've, I'm still that way to this day. Like, it's like, I don't want no one to feel like they work harder than me or they go harder than me, whether it's music, whether it's, you know, us doing music one-on-one, whether it's me doing touring with Trey or whether, like, I don't want nobody to outwork me. So when cats asleep, you know what I'm saying? Or cats is turning in for the night, I'm like, nah, I'm, 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 I'm relaxing, taking maybe a 10 hour, I mean, 10 minute break and I'm back at it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and I was talking to somebody yesterday, I forgot who it was, um, and they was asking me what time I wake up. And I said, sometimes I get up early, sometimes I don't, depending on what time I go to bed. But I jump up with the expectation of, like, I got to hurry up and wake up. And they're like, why? Because like, I might miss something. And I'm like, miss what? I said, miss an opportunity, miss an email, miss sending out a text, miss a check, miss a placement, miss mm-hmm. going to this college because somebody else woke up a little earlier than me and beat me to the punch. So that's my thought process. And so what was the, the thing you were least prepared for, you know, after your placement? Was it something? The business. The business aspect. I didn't know nothing. Um, you know, and, it was, and I'm glad you asked that because it was a very ugly situation business-wise for that track. Um, you know, I'm sure they had some, some knowledge and some information under their belt to be able to maneuver business-wise. But for me, I was fresh out the gate. So I remember him getting, like, the first half of the check. Um, for that particular song placement, I remember, you know, on the credits of saying his name and mine, you know, and mind you, this is not a, nothing that we discussed. You know, we didn't, you know, so when I saw that, it was like a shocker because I'm like, you didn't talk about that. What, what his name as far as being a producer? Or yeah. being, oh, wow. Yeah, said, so he, he was credited as a writer. Yeah, credited as a writer and a producer on the song. And, you know, I'm like, so with that, <laughs> so with that, you know, he, like I said, he got the first half of the advance. And mind you, I'm this new young kid, you know, made the beat, brand new, don't know nothing. She's on the Fox, she's on the Def Jam, you know, the, so the relationship is already there. So who they going to believe? You right. You know what I'm saying? You got a kid calling up the label saying, yo, I did this song. <laughs> right. Like, how? No, you didn't. Wow. You know so so you, was there something that, you, it was a point where you had to sign 
documents when, yeah. the, when the record came out, but you had, you had never taken it to an attorney? Nothing, nothing. I didn't have one. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, me and my girl at the time uh, figured it out. Like on our own, I remember I had, she was calling the labels for me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, because you know, if I'm calling and I'm saying I'm Amadeus, and they and they kind of like you know not really believing what was going on, you know, they start they start ducking your calls. Mm. You know, so now if you hear a, a beautiful female voice, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You might change your tone. You yeah. might you might you might try to figure something out. Yeah, you know, you know, you know how it go. So she was calling on behalf on my behalf, and she was actually making a lot of progress, and we really got down to. The nitty gritty of it found out that the check was already cut, and it is what it is. So it wasn't on no. All right, we're gonna recut the check, and we're gonna pay you properly. It's not the first. That money's gone. already been distributed. Gone. So the only thing I was able to do was to get the back end of the check, and that's after all paperwork is handled and now all the agreements is done. I don't know nothing about that. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So. And so, what's the like? I guess the 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 twenty second summary of like what artists should look out for when in that position? Well, like, you what know, would you have done differently now that you are, you know, an industry veteran? Uh, just, just learn the business because at the, end of the day, at the end of the day, all the information needed was out there. But me being young, and I don't want to use that as an excuse, but, you know, me being young and not knowing, I didn't know to go pick up a book. There's books, there were books that are out that can guide you and lead you through that process. And I learned, you know, after the fact, and I went and got that book, everything, everything you need to <laughs> know I about went, the music and I business. Read. And but, I read and I figured it out on my own. And, and for years, you know, I managed myself. Yeah. You know, I handled my own. I knew what contracts looked like. I knew what to look out for. I knew what to ask for. I knew what I was capable of getting being a new producer. It's like I can't really ask for much, but stick to, you know, what the regular normal format is of, you know, production, 50% publishing, you know. Maybe three points, you know, uh, points, maybe three points. You know what I'm saying? So these are the basics. And it's like, okay, well, let me just get the basics for right now. And as I grow as a, as a producer and, and, and create a resume for myself, then maybe I can start demanding more. And so how did the opportunity after that placement and, you know, a gold, a gold plaque, you know, did that open the doors for you to... How did, op- that, how did that open more doors for you as far as getting you more placements? Uh, for me... It was more about a hustle, though, man. It wasn't like, okay, you know, that situation, that placement happened, that plaque was on the wall. Because it took about a year to get on the wall. You know what I'm saying? You figure you need about a year for it to really do its numbers and to really sell and it, it to become official in regards to it being, you know, RIAA certified that it's actually gold. So it took, it took about a year to do that. So in that process, I didn't even know. I just knew it was a placement. I was excited about it. And I liked the feeling of hearing something on the radio. I love the feeling of seeing something on the big screen, seeing my name at the credits at the end. You know what I mean? So it's like, I got to keep going. I got to keep going. So the hustle, me going out networking, me going to all of the events, me. And it's crazy because at that time, you know, you had CDs and I would open up CDs of every artist or every CD that I purchased or was given and look through the credits and find the A&R's name. And I used to put together their emails. You know what I'm saying? I had... You know, a lot of people at Def Jam's email because of the Foxy Brown situation. So I was saying, all right, if they're using their first name dot last name at umusic.com, it's probably going to be this first, dude's uh, email. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you understand? So I started putting it together and started reaching out to people. You know, some bounced back because maybe they didn't work there anymore. They had something different with their emails. Some went through. Some people responded. Some people allowed me the opportunity to come meet with them. You know, so I was always trying to figure it out. And, and figure out how to connect. I always, you know, events and listening parties, and I would, I would show up to all that. And back then, we had the, the time port two-way pages, so 
All I had to do was put my pager to yours, hold a button, your information would go on my phone, my, my information would go on your phone. It's fun. Wow. So I would walk up to people, nothing crazy, I'm a producer, I just I did the Foxy Brown record, boom, boom, boom. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You know, let's exchange contact information. Hi, right, cool. Beam me. That's what we call it. Beam me. Wow. I've heard, like, I've heard the beam in yo, forever. Beam me. That's crazy. And he's, you know what I'm saying? And next thing you know. I'm, you know, I got your image. All right, cool. Next day, I, I just got 10 people's contact information. The artist, a manager, this dude is an A&R, this dude is a publicist, this chick is, you know, a stylist, and I'm hitting everybody up. So what you, what you working on? What you need? What you got? You need this? All right, cool. And that was just the formula, and that was the format that I used to kind of get ahead, and that was, like, everything. Wow. So you, up till recently, were managing yourself. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. being a... a an artist, but also being a manager. Mm-hmm. Like, what are the things as a manager that you think uh, are important to, to know? Like, what's kind of like a manager one-on-one that you've learned from um, Amadeus? This is the new book. Right. Well, one, that relationships are everything. You know what I'm saying? So I've learned to not just reach out to people when I had a new batch of beats or when I wanted to send them or something. I reached out to people just to say, what's up? Yo, what's up? What's going on? Yo, it's Amadeus. Just checking in. I would just check in. You know what I'm saying? I, and I had this format, this formula for years, like, I'm this is years, and I just that was just me. I was just a people's person. I was a person that liked to be around, liked to hang out, liked to just stay connected. People, you know, have conversation, have dialogue. That was just me. So not knowing that was what that's what kind of for me uh, pushed my career along because people just wanted to be around. People just wanted to be like, yo, he, he's cool. Yo, come hang, come over here. We gonna be over here tonight. You know, we, we and they just knew between my personality and how I carried myself. And my work ethic, when you put those two together, it's like, yo, we like this young kid. And I was young. So they couldn't believe that this young dude was making his music. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, I'm 16, 17 years old, coming in and talking about, yeah, I got school. Yo, I got to, you know, I'm going to be there after class. So I'm gonna, I was taking meetings, man, <laughs> like in school. So this was, this was happening while you were in school? Oh, yeah. Hold on. So the placement yeah. happened while you were in high school? Yeah. Yo, you were. <laughs> like, what was that like in school for you? Crazy. Because... 
I, like, again, I was heavily, heavily influenced by Puff Daddy. Like that, I like I thought I was Puff Daddy himself. I had the curly hair. I had the part in the middle. Oh, shit. Like, I had the shades. Like, yo, they used to they used to go chilling in the train station on 149th in Grand Concourse every day to see the chicks. We was all boys school. To see the chicks in the train station. All my classmates, even the chicks in other schools, like, oh, they go puff. They used to call me puff, yo. That's crazy. And I used to tell them, I used to like, listen, man. You know, one day I'm going to be popping in this music thing. I'm going to be working with Puff. I'm going to be working with Jay-Z. I'm going to be working with Bust Rhymes, all these people. And they're like, ah. And then it was funny because they believed it. Like they, <laughs> Yeah. You know, you had the cats on the block. I mean, you also on the did. radio. So you know? that's also. Yeah, they believed it, man. I, I was the first uh, freshman to be, to, to be in the seniors band and to be the head of the seniors band, like the drum, the, the, of all the drummers. I'm the freshman, dude. I walked in there in ninth grade. I didn't even have band class. I was on the way to social studies class, found out where the band class was at, skipped the social studies class, walked in the band room, knocked on the door, and was like, this the band? He's like, yeah. I said, I'm supposed to be in this class. He was like, well, did you, did, you, did you go through the process? I don't know what process I was supposed to go through. I'm telling you I'm supposed to be in this class. I play, I play drums. Dude started laughing. Dude started chuckling. Ah. I said, trust me, you want me to play drums. Just, I was, oh, man, just like that, bro. You want me to play drums? And he was like, so he was trying to get me out of class. He's like, I'm just going to write you a slip so you can go to your social class. We'll figure it out later. Dude was just like, nah, let him play. Because I was talking crazy. <laughs> let him play. Let him play. So he starts laughing and teaching. And he was like, all right, go ahead. So I went over there, and everybody's making noise and laughing and joking. He don't know what he's doing. Pick up the drumsticks, purposely drop the joints. Like, I don't, you know. And they laughed. Oh, he came with all the drumsticks. The drumsticks. Kind of myself in, bro. Went crazy. That's amazing. Everybody was like this. Stop. Threw drumsticks on the floor. They was like, yo. <laughs> and then, you know, because you know when you get teased for being a freshman. But at that part, at that time, I was the dude. The teacher goes, you stay here. I'm going to write you a note for your class. We're going down to the dean. After the class, the bell rang. We go down to the dean's office, and he's like, I just heard this kid. <laughs> we need him on the band. I don't know what needs to happen, like, subject-wise or what needs to – we need him, like, bad. And he's like, all right, let's figure it out. And after that day, the man. And so when you were, when you were negotiating and trying to figure out the, the royalties from your first placement, mm-hmm. your girlfriend was in high school? No, she's older than me. Oh, he was out here living, yeah, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you had a sophomore in the line? She was older than me. You know what I'm saying? So, That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, but, but and, and it, was, it was not even negotiate because I know what I was doing. So I just signed the shit. <laughs> like, I just signed. And, you know, thank God it was, it, was, it, was, it was okay. It wasn't like nothing crazy. It wasn't like nothing because I did get, you know, my, my, my checks, you know, from it selling and doing what it did. So yeah. the royalties and everything did come in. So, you know, thank God it was a situation where I was okay. <laughs> You know, one thing, the one of the main reasons why I wanted to start the podcast was to show a lot of times for, you know, our community, you know, a lot of kids aspire to be in the music industry mm-hmm. or they aspire to be an athlete and, you know, they, they want to be LeBron James, but they don't uh, think about, man, I could be LeBron James trainer right. and have a longer career or I could be the GM and have a longer career or I could be the assistant coach, exactly. you know, the strength, strength and conditioning coach. Right. Um, but so I'm really fascinated by your career because you really managed to be super diverse yes, in the sense of, of being a producer, mm-hmm. but also 
working in like the sync licensing publishing mm-hmm. realm of music, but mm-hmm. also being uh, a tour tour director, right? Or um, music director, right? Right. Uh, how did that happen? That transition happened from you being a producer to you being um, a musical director. It's crazy. Uh, Trey Trey songs myself. Mike Jones was in a studio in Houston, um, and there was a drum set in the corner. And we was making this record, and then I seen the drums. I was like, oh, shit, the drums going. I was like, yeah, y'all know I play drums, right? And both Trey and Mike was like, you don't play no drums, bro. I said, bro, <laughs> I play the drums. Like, for real, I'm, I'm a church boy. You take, taking it back to the right. high school? <laughs> oh, yeah, listen, you don't want, you don't why want you none always, of these problems. Why are you man? always in a position to have a chip on your shoulder? I don't know, man. Cats like, just cats, don't, don't be recognized off the they bat. They don't be recognized off the <laughs> back, man. You always got to show and prove out here, Corey. Like, you got you to show and prove. And I get it. You know, imagine if we just went with every, every, everything someone said. Like, Yo, I do this. Okay, let's just hire him. You know, yeah, you got yeah. to see, man. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. So the funny part is I never got a chance to play. Like, we was just, you know, worried about working on the record. Um, and Trey had his first album out at the time, Braids, everything. And I was this like, is off the Just Gotta Make It. Yes. So, so this is I I knew Trey in this era. I'm from wow. VA. Right. This is a funny story. So we get to <laughs> this is um I'm in high school. I'm in like 2000, 2005. I'm in high school. Just Gotta Make It just came out, okay. which is a huge record right, in VA right, in right. particular. Like I don't know where the rest of the country was. I know it was a big hit, but okay. and VA at the time, crazy. Huge, because he's from Petersburg, right? And I'm from Chesterfield, which okay. rises out of Richmond. But you're talking about I'm maybe 15 minutes away from Petersburg. Really? Okay. So I was working this restaurant, Ruth's Chris. I was a busboy. Oh, I love that joint. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was like my. I worked at the one here in the city for a little bit too. Mm-hmm. So I, when I first got to New York, so I'm a busboy, and it's all white people in there. They don't know anything about what's right. going on, especially hip or new right. music. So uh, Trey walks in with his mom, April. Really? And I didn't, you know, know his mom at the time. He comes in, and they have no idea who he is. So I'm like, yo, look. And he wasn't, he wasn't sitting in my section. Okay. I was like, look, my man, I'll, I'll, let me clean this table. Let me clean this table. You take the money. I'll do all the work for the table. He was like, okay, cool, no doubt. So I go up to, uh, I go up to the table, and I'm like, yo, uh, Hi. <laughs> like I'm in high school. So I'm like, hi, uh, could you have some, care for some water? And so I'm like super nervous. I pour the water and everything. And um, they were sitting next to like the computer, like the, the like where you order, put in order, right? Where you put in the okay, orders, right? So I'm snickering with my friends, like, oh, this is Trey Songz. I come back and Trey wasn't there. So his mom, April's like, uh, do you want to meet my son? So I'm like, uh. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she's like, do you sing or anything? And I was like, yeah, I rap. And she's like, he would love to meet you. Like, come back after we eat. So they get their food, they eat. Uh, also, she called me to the table. Really? Tremaine, this is Corey, Corey Tremaine. And I'm like, hey, what's up, man? And he was like, yo, my, my mom says you're a nice guy and you rap. And I was like, yeah, yeah, for sure. So I go, uh, I was like, uh, at this time, I had just started recording myself. Really? So I had two songs that I had on the bottom of my, uh, it was like a CD that I had in my car. But I had no case. Okay. And I had to like g- take a piece of paper, fold it with my wow. name on it. So I give him this, I had two songs at the time. Give it to him. He, uh, he's like, yo, I'm hit you up. I'll check it out. So didn't hear anything. Okay. So now at this point, a year goes by, and I'm at Virginia State, which is in Petersburg. where wow. he's from, And he's at homecoming. So I'm walking. Corey. 
Yo, what's up, Trey? What's up? I was so surprised he even oh, no, like, his, knows his my memory name. Is, his memory is amazing. Super shocked he knew my name. Like, and this is Pat homecoming, people all around. And he's like, yo, I tried hitting you up. And I was like, yo, I didn't hit you up. Like, I didn't, what? what? Like, yo. So he's, he's with his friend. And he was like, yo, take, take, take his number. Take his number. And they get my number. And that was it. I, didn't, I haven't seen Trey right. since. Wow. I haven't seen him, but he's super nice. Like, super, super wow. polite. And that was the first, like, person I really met. Except like coming from Richmond, especially. Right. Where someone made it out. Wow. Like. That's a dope story. Bonkers. That's a dope story. How'd you guys meet? We met. In the, we we met. Well, I met before that. We and that because I met. I met him in Atlanta. Um, I knew his manager at the time, Delonte Murphy. Okay. And Trey was like chilling at the crib. Um, and I think we was in Atlanta and we went out. Uh, I think it was BT Awards weekend or something like that. So you know, Trey went out for different. You know, I just hung out. Uh, we went out for different events, stuff like that, and just so he remembered me from there. Um, when he got to the studio, and we you know we did the record. Record came on fire. And I just put it out there. I was just like, yo, the music you make is, like, for real. Like, real soulful, real R&B. Like, yeah. you're going to need a band, yo. Eventually, I don't know if you're ready now, but when you're when you ready, hit me. And he was like, all right. A year later, <laughs> his manager called me. It was like, yo, you ready to put the band together? I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, Trey said, you told him. <laughs> when you're ready to put the band together, to call you. He's ready for you to put the band together. And wow. I'm sitting there like, never put no band together before. Never been a music director. Nothing. I just, I just spoke it as existed, not knowing that he was going to actually call. And he called. And you know, this, now I haven't been with Trey for ten years now. And so, what are the first steps like that you took once you realized, yo, I'm, I'm about to be MD? First of all, I didn't want the position. I was, I called my boy, uh, my man Butters, because Butters is already a music director. Yeah, old, uh, 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 you know, older gentleman. So definitely like a role model figure for me. So I called him. He was music director for Casey and JoJo in Case mm. uh, at that time already. So I was like, yo, Trey Songs and him just called me, want me to be the music director. I don't want to be music director. I'm going to let you be the music director. I just want to play the drums. <laughs> so he's like, no, nah, we ain't going to do that. You're going to be the music director. I said, what do you mean, man? I don't know what I'm doing. He's like, well, let's put the band together. You decide on who you want it to be. So I called all my boys, you know what I'm saying, that I play with in church. And he's like, you're going to be the music director. He said, how do you think I got to where I am today? Like, somebody gave me a chance. Trey has given you a chance, you know, to, be, to have this position. He's like, he's never had a band before. You never put together a band before. It's, it's the perfect marriage. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You, you both grow together as musicians. You know what I mean? And, man, I was like, all right, nervous as heck. You know, called my, but I've been playing with these dudes, you know, musically for years. So we, we know each other like crazy. So it was just an ill chemistry um, and we put the band together and we did a show in New York. Uh, I think it was for R&B Spotlight Live. Um, and it was like, it was like a show that labels put together to showcase artists. When I say everybody came out to that, I think they did it every Tuesday or I forgot what night they did it on, but it was on Broadway in the city and it was crazy. And it was like, are we doing R&B Spotlight R&B Live? And I already knew what it was cause I would go to, to see and network and, and you know, everybody went, bro, everybody. And he's like, you're doing Spotlight Live. And that was our first show. Wow. And it was crazy. <laughs> and so a lot of the cats, oh, these are New York cats that were in the band. Oh, yeah. Everybody from New York. Yeah. Wow. Yep. All these are my homeboys that I play with in church. And so what was your, what goes into the responsibilities once you have the band together? Mm -hmm. uh, what goes into the responsibilities of being an MD after that? Oh, man. You got you to gotta get all of the sessions and all of the files that, that are recorded so you can have all of the stems. Uh you need to kind of get a gauge of of what Trey wants to do musically. 
you know, if you're going on tour or we're doing this show, how long the set, how long the set time that we have, you know, what songs he wants to perform, what songs he doesn't want to perform, what songs he wants to, you know, really get out there to the audience, what's his favorite. So so many different aspects of putting a show together that's very important. Um, and like I said, uh, we've been going on 10 years now. So, you know, I know him very well to the point where I know what he wants to do. I know where he wants to go. I know what he wants to say. And I know how he wants to do it. So now it's a, to a point where instead of coming to him saying, hey, Trey, what do you want to do? He's coming to me saying, what are we doing? And he, I've, I've earned that, tr- that level of trust uh, to be able to present, you know, the set list where I'm actually just putting the set list together, deciding if he, we got an hour here. We're going to know we're doing Essence Fest and we got an hour. So, you know, I'm formulating the order, how long of each song we're doing, what we're doing, what are we cutting out, um, you know, and, and, and so that, that's pretty much a lot of, you know, music directing, you know what I'm saying? And so I'm working with the band, I'm working with Trey, I'm working with the engineers, the mix engineers on how the mix is coming out, the lighting, you know, choreographer, we having dancers and the dancers are coming out, if we're having featured or guest artists, like my, I'm, I'm involved in every single, you know, one of those things. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so one thing I'm really fascinated by that kind of gets overlooked I think is how do you prepare not just professionally for mm-hmm. going on a tour, mm-hmm. but personally because you're not uh, you're not near your your home base. Right. So what are the steps that you take to like personally prepare to like go on like a summer three month long <laughs> tour? First of all, you got you, you you go shopping <laughs> to really get you know all that you need you know uh, the the essentials and so it's about that first and after that uh, you know you got the rehearsals which is pretty time consuming because you know like you you're putting together you want to you want to put together a great show for the audience so that can take time that can take 2 weeks 3 weeks a month to in rehearsals before we even get out on the road so you're technically for me I feel like you're on the road already because you're you know in these rehearsals all day right. every day for a few weeks you know preparing for the tour so um there's definitely something that's pretty serious and it's pretty challenging because there's a lot of wear and tear. You know, you're figuring you're on a tour bus. You know, if you're on a tour bus, you're, tour, you're on a tour bus for hours at a time. You're, you're driving into the cities. You might make it and have to go right off the tour bus to sound check, eat, and then you're doing a show, you know what I'm saying, to maybe you're staying in the city that night, maybe going to the next destination. You might take two days to drive to this next place. So it's, it's, it's a lot. Right. It's a lot, man. It requires, you know, a lot of rest if you can get rest you know and it's definitely more challenging for the artists you know i've seen trey have to do so much you know perform every night do a meet and greet with the fans do radio you know photo shoots work he could be working on an album you know what i'm saying record different things for the tour videos to put on you know for in the, in the background to be seen like it's, it's rough yeah and people don't i don't think people understand i think they understand now because you're getting a lot of documentaries and you're getting you're getting to see videos of how the behind the scenes and and what it takes to actually put together a show and put to and put on a tour so now i think people are aware of all that it takes to do it it's a lot yeah i mean even i was even thinking the other the other day as i was prepping for this interview even like who like takes care of your rent you know, like if you're on the road, true. like how does that relationship, it's like true. those little small nuances of, right. of you gotta, leaving. You got to be responsible. I mean, if you don't have someone, you know, taking care of it, then it's something that you got to do on your own. You know, at that time uh, when I was touring, I was married, you know, so I had a spouse that was able to, you know, hold down the fort and make sure that all the bills were paid. All I had to do was, you know, bring in the money and she would 
you know, take care of all of the responsibilities. Um, so then at the point where I've obviously when, when I was no longer married, then it was, it was something that I had to handle on my own. Yeah. Um, you know, and I will, I've always been a responsible person, a very independent person, even as a youngin. So it wasn't rocket science for me to call up, you know, whoever the provider was or whoever I had bills with and, and to pay a bill. So it wasn't, wasn't crazy, but it definitely takes planning and, and really using your devices to, to give yourself reminders and using your calendar, the calendar and notes and reminders is, is, is definitely my best friend. And so, uh, the, the third, the third pillar of Amadeus mm-hmm. is, is the sync licensing, mm-hmm. uh, aspect of your career. So you've done a lot of work with ESPN, right? You know, how, how do those type of, how did you break into that world? Coming, so coming from, mm-hmm. uh, still producing right, and being an MD, mm-hmm. how did the sync licensing world and that relationship with, Television happened. Right. Um, same thing. Like, I, like I've been preaching the whole, you know, interview with relationships, man. Somebody's, yo, you, you know so-and-so? You, you know Corey? You know Kevin? No, I don't know. Yo, this is a dope producer, man. I think y'all can possibly do some things together. So it's, it just takes that, you know, to create the relationship. And then it's kind of like on you to really uh, create it into something and, and to mold it to be something real. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's, um, you know, and the ESPN thing is crazy because... um. I was already doing, like, scoring, and it was kind of a word of the mouth. Yo, this dude is a pretty dope producer. I think you should try him out and see what he can do. And it started with that, and, and they, you know, loved what I produced. And the music director for ESPN invited me to speak at his college that he, mm. that he taught at. And it's funny because, you know, I know college has got money, and I know how that works. So I was like, you know, is there, is there a, 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 you know, anything monetary? Because I, I was upstate New York, and it was in Connecticut. So mm-hmm. it was probably about two hours for me each way. So I was like, you know, is there anything monetary? Is there anything you can do? And he's like, no, there's no money. You know, I'll take you out to lunch. And at first I was like, nah, I'm cool. And right before I can even say it, I was like, I should do it. You know, just off of, you know, this dude looked out for me, has me working with ESPN, producing these records. He's cut me plenty of checks. I can get to the school and do what I need to do. Right, he's got to be texting the pass. Right, so like, he he's put on. money in. Yes, yes, yes. As, as Charlemagne says in his new book, put right. weed, he put the weed in the bag. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's yes, plenty of paper, plenty of opportunities. It's the least I could do, pull up, you know, you know, speak to the class with other other musicians and other uh, panelists. Amazing. So he's like, listen, man, I don't have no no crazy budget. You know, there's a subways across the street. I'm like, cool. I love subways. Go across the street, sitting down eating. And he's like, yeah, man, I'm trying to do this theme song for, uh, for ESPN First Take. I'm trying to think who can, who can do it. I'm trying to get to Talib Kweli. And I'm like, Talib Kweli, that's my, that's my boy. You know, like, not only did I produce records for them, but, you know, my wife at the time toured with him. Like, she was his, his, his main background vocalist. So I'm like, I just call her, you know, get in contact with Kweli, make it happen. So he's like, really, you would do that? Like, yeah, man, why not? So he's like, all right, cool. So I'm like, well, who's doing the beat? And he was like, yeah, we haven't gotten that far yet. I was like, all right, so here's the thing. I'll put you into contact with Kweli. You got to let me do the beat. And he was like, cool. Nice. And in some ways, you know, after speaking at this college, that's how that came together. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So imagine if I didn't, you know, take him up on that offer to speak to the school. Imagine, no, oh, you got to pay me. No, I'm not coming. Imagine if I was like, no, I'm too big for subways. No, you got to take me to root Chris. Imagine. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's always be cool to be cool. It's always good to be humble. 
And it's always cool to be cool. cool. That might be cool. like the tagline of the no, enemy. It's always cool. It's to always be cool, cool to man. be cool. You know, because you being cool can take you places further than your your talent. Believe it or not, for sure. You know what I mean. I'm not the best drummer in the world. I'm not the best producer in the world. The best public speaker in the world. But I I do me. I do it to the best of my ability. And I'm just cool. I, I like to I like for people to, to feel my energy. And I like to, to for it to be positive and to, for me to give off positive energy. And and people wanting to be in the same room and just hang out and be. Oh, Amadeus is gonna be there. All right, cool. I'm coming because Amadeus is there. And I just want to be that guy. And that has allowed me to, you know, allow my talent to shine. Because people just like, yo, man, you, I just, all right, cool, man. I mean, let's just hang out. Let's, let's, just, let's just kick it. Let's go, go to a bar. Let's go, go watch the Giants game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And just being cool or create opportunities. No one, no one wants to, to hire a dickhead. Not big at all. You know what I'm saying? So you got to be cool. You got to be a, a, a dude or a female that people want to be around. They, they love your spirit. They love your energy. You know, they would love, they would, it's like, I, I want to give you an opportunity because you're you. Right. I know you're talented. I know you're going to do the job, but forget that. It's you. You're you. And I just want to hook you up. I want you, I know you're going to do the right thing with it. I know you're going to be a blessing to somebody. I know you're going to inspire somebody that, you know, watches you do what you do. Wow. This is profound words right here. Hey, man. <laughs> so, Amadeus, what, um, before I let you go, what, what are the things that, um, for up and coming people, um, who want to be like you, who want to be in the music industry and want to, want to produce and want to play the drums and mm-hmm. want to be an MD. What do you think, what advice do you have for those folks? Well, first I always say be passionate, you know, make sure that music is your first love because if it's not, then you won't withstand the trials and tribulations that, you know, that come along with it. The vultures that are out here lurking, you know, waiting to take advantage of you. You know what I'm saying? And that's what sustained me. I've been in the music industry for about 16, 17 years now. Um, and that's a long time, you know, to still be in it, to still want to be in it, and to still be relevant. Yeah. You know, and I feel I'm relevant. It's because, I, you know, I keep my ears to the streets. I, I appreciate the future. I appreciate the young people. Yo, what you think about Lil Yachty? What you think about Lil Uzi? I'm cool. I like it. You know, it, it, it's not, you know... Um, it's like your target demo. Yeah. like You know what I mean? But... but but you have to embrace when it comes on. I can rock, I can rock to it for sure. I might understand, I might not, but it's you know, music is a feeling, man. You know, it's not about always what you're saying. It's about it could be how it could be how you're saying it. It could be the melody in your in your lyric. You know what I'm saying? It can be the swag you got. You know what I mean? It can be your presence. There's so many different things that allow artists to be successful and, and huge. You know what I mean? Like you might not be the best singer in the world, but when you when you come on stage, like like your presence and your aura just just drives everybody crazy. You drive all the women. All the women want you. By just coming on stage before you say a word. It's just people, certain people just have that presence and confidence in themselves. So just, you know, be passionate about what it is you do. Uh, work extremely hard. You know what I mean? Even when you accomplish what you've dreamt of, like, you can't reach that point and stop. Like, oh, man, I'm excited. Oh, wow. You know, like, when I played, my dream was to play Master Square Garden. Play Master Square Garden five, six times. You know what I'm saying? I remember playing it the first time and crying. Like, yo, we're playing Master Square Garden. My mom's and everybody's here. My family is here. Jay-Z is performing. I'm watching Jay-Z perform right now. I just opened up the show, and now we're watching Jay-Z perform. So it took me back to when I said, yo, I'm going to work with Jay-Z. Yeah. But, I mean, I didn't produce any records for him, but I toured with Jay-Z for, for, for a month and a half. Right. Saw him every night. You know what I'm saying? And I remember, like, 
you know, Jay's a, he's the elite. You know, everybody can't, when you're high like that, you, 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 you can't, you can't touch that person sometimes. And I remember like, just wanting to say what's up or, or nothing. And he, I would never get his eye contact. You know, he would he would look around, he would look down, he would look up, but I would never get his eye contact. So one time coming off the stage, I forgot what arena we was in, and I killed him drums. And he looked at me, and my eyes didn't say a word, just nodded. You know, you know the face. <laughs> you see the face, it right? Was the J face? Nah, he's nice. That was life changing. No words, no, no nothing. And just you know, so after that, you know, Trey and Jay was is, is really close. He's definitely like a mentor uh, for Trey. Um, so you know, we did like private events. We did, uh, J, uh, Trey was signed to Rock, Rock Aware, so we did different events with Jay, and you know, we would see him more. And then, uh, then you start getting what's up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, then yeah. you get now you grow and you get a what's up. Build that rapport. You know what I'm saying? And same thing, Pup. You know, me being signed to Bad Boy as a hitman producer, like I spoke all that into existence. You know what I'm saying? I just grew up looking, listen, listen, listen to this dude and looking at this dude, what he created musically and his style and his swag and being from Harlem and just like, like, look at the dude. I just wanted to be that dude. Yeah. You know, to, 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 to being signed and being in the studio with him and being a part of the production team who inspired me to produce. You know, I remember on the bus, you know what I'm saying? With a CD player, going to school, listening to Life After Death, reading the credits. Excuse me. I know everybody. I, I know all the producers' names. I know everybody that sung on it, everybody that wrote on it, to being in that same room, the same room where Biggie recorded, same room where Faith recorded, 112, where, where, where he made the No Way Out album, where Hypnotize was made, where Juicy was made. It's right there, working. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, wow. He also, too, I think attitude is very, very important. Mm-hmm. Not just people liking you, but you have a very optimistic attitude. Positive Thank attitude. Thank you. So, like, what keeps you in, in an industry where, you know, it's very, it's not like the, the you know, the, the doctor mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or the person who works in the factory where their check is going to come in consistently and right. they know what they're bringing in. Right. And, uh, and, and a, you're really freelance. Yeah. So, yeah. you don't know when your next right. check can come. Absolutely. You know, what keeps you kind of optimistic and positive? And was there a point in your career where you were like, you don't know if this is going to work out? And right. how did you bounce back from that? It definitely has to be. You know, my spiritual background, you know, my relationship with God, you know, I've raised in a church all my life, you know what I'm saying? And that was instilled in me, you know what I mean? So it's like, regardless of what I accomplished, who I was surrounded by, who I was able to work with, you know, I, I know that it started with God. It starts, he gave me this gift, he gave me this talent, you know what I'm saying? So knowing that he that He gave it to me, knowing that I was doing the right thing with it and not you know, using it for bad or not, or using it for any anything negative. I knew that there will always be a way. Um, and with that being said, I, you know, I went through a lot of challenging times. You know, there's times when you're hot, there's times when you're not. You know, like you said, there's times where the checks are flowing in, business is great, and there's times when it's not. You know what I mean? And you got to be able to, you know, hold on to your faith. You got to be able to continue to to remain focused and work hard, and know that you're here for a reason. Like you didn't give me this gift. For me to get all the way to this point, or you, or allow God to bring me to where I'm at here, and be like, "All right, peace. All right, I'm dead. I'm out." Nah, He's not gonna leave me. It might be a little silent, might be a little quiet, and that might be time for me to reflect. That might be time for me to to look around me, to look to look within, to say, "Are you doing? Are you are you moving properly? Are you doing the right things? Are you harming anybody? Are, you know what I'm saying? Are you hurting anyone? Are you where are you in your life?" So it might be a a a, 
you know, how you take your car in to get a checkup. You, it might be a point where you need a self-checkup to just say, where am I? What am I doing? What are my goals? What am I aiming at? Am I doing right? And it's not about being perfect because perfect doesn't exist, but it's always about putting your best foot forward. You know what I'm saying? So I love this. I love it. I live for music. Um, I don't see myself doing anything else, you know, but from a business point, you know, the, the, the wealthy man says you need seven streams of income in order to be rich, you know, so you look at music, you look at the business, you see how everything has changed, you know, it's no, no longer about CDs, it's no longer about, you know, cassettes, you know, it's, now it's about MP3s, now it's about streams, so it, it changes, it changes, it changes, sound changes, styles changes. You know, now the young kids are dancing on another place. I'm not a dancer. I'm not, I'm not from Atlanta. I'm not from Miami. I'm from New York. I'm boom back. I'm from where we sample. You know, but people are scared. Artists are scared to continue that because is it going to sell? Do the people want that? Now the young kids want to dance. You know, yeah. all my friends are dead. They want that. So do you get mad? Do you get mad and say, no, that's, that's, that's not really hip-hop. It is hip-hop. Hip-hop is expression. I mean, I think it's also due to just being true to yourself. Right. Like, what's real is being what's real to you, you know? Like, there, you can't chase what's hot. Right. You have to chase within. That's why I'm still here. Yeah. I, I'm not the, you know, and, and, and I'm not taking any credit for myself. I'm not a Timberland. I'm not a DJ Mustard. I'm not a, you know what I'm saying, a, a Jermaine Dupree yet. But, because I've seen dudes that, have huge success as producers, huge singles, huge records, and disappear. And it's like, I ra- I don't want that. I rather I might not have the, the 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 top ten number one songs, man. But I'm working. You know, I'm on every album. You know what I'm saying? Or I'm on every other album, and I'm cool with that because it might not be you know the, the playing in the club, but the content of the song that's being created with the artist that I'm working with is, is, is real emotional stuff. Mm-hmm. It's heartfelt. It's, you know, Mike Jones, uh, the name of this Mike Jones song I did with him was Grandma, and when his grandma passed. You know what I'm saying? Jim Jones made, uh, wrote, wrote a record called My Diary, and he's talking about growing up in Harlem and his struggles. Like, I'm cool with that. You know, you know, artists going in and hearing a track and feeling like, y'all not, I can't just write anything to this. I got to dig deep. Yeah. I got I to gotta give you, I got to give the world my truth on this record, you know, Chris Brown writing, writing the breakup, talking about him and Rihanna, I can't win, you know what I'm saying, talking about him, you know, him and Karuchi, like, these are the records I got, not the most popular, not on the radio, not party, you know, but it, it, it's something you have to listen to, it's something that people can relate to, everybody's not in the club, somebody just went to, you know, a breakup, somebody just, you know, just had a baby on, a, you know what I'm saying, like, that's why Usher's confession album was so, was so successful, because, mm. Is is what and who knows till this day whether it was really his story, right? But it's relatable to the world. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Dude. I think also too that keeps you in a really good sweet spot with right. the artist. Yes, because the artist, like, it's very rare. I feel like sometimes when they can get emotional and be open and be personal on a record, yeah. you know, and where their music can be therapy. You know, so a lot of times that keeps you in a good rapport with the artist. Right. Like, well, when I'm on my day, I make something yeah. that's personal. Yeah. Like and to it's me. funny because I tried, you know, me and me and Jim, I tried to send him like Jim Jones some club joints, and he like, nah, man, I need that my diary from you. Like, yeah, there's a certain, you know, I'm, I'm I come to you to get this, and like, you know, I, I can go there, I can go anybody, I can go to Must, I can go to anybody to get a club record, but when I come to you, no, I'm I'm looking for that. You know what I mean? And it's crazy how artists come back every time or every album, like, yo, what you got? You got you got you got me like that that last record. You know what I mean? So it's a blessing, man.
Well, Amadeus, it's a pleasure to have you, man. man. This was a dope, dope, dope interview. So shout out to you for having me, man. I really applaud you and what you're doing. You know, it's easy to talk about a record. It's easy to talk about, you know, what, who you produce for and, and run down a list. But it's, it's another thing to be able to dig deep and to tap into topics and different things that have never been discussed, you know, stories that have never been heard that that give something uh, to the audience that's just unique in its own thing, man. So just definitely keep doing what you're doing. And I'm honored to be here, man. Dude, you know I mean? appreciate you so much. I'm honored to be here, brother. My brother. Thank you so much. Blessings. Blessings. Thank you so much to the Silent Giants behind this episode of the Silent Giants podcast. This episode has been mixed by Mark Bird of NBM Studios, located in Astoria, Queens, NYC's number one recording studio for music, podcasting, and other audio recordings. Be sure to follow them on Instagram at NBM Studios NYC. Also, the music for this episode has been brought to you by Obliv. Be sure to follow him as well on Instagram. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge, signing off till next time. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.